Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. To learn more about Collective, you can follow us on social media at My Collective Church or head to www.mycollective.church. Now here's Sunday's message. Right before I did my ministry internship in Cleveland, Ohio, I was talking to my future boss, the lead pastor of the church, and he asked me what I was hoping to learn from the experience. And at the time, I felt like God was pushing me toward church planting, but I also knew that I wasn't going to graduate college and immediately plant a church. So I told my boss that I simply wanted to learn everything that I could. And then I told him to just use me as you see fit. So my first Sunday in Cleveland, I rolled up to the movie theater, which is where the church met, fully expecting to serve on the tech team because that is where I was the most skilled. But that isn't what happened. Go ahead and take a wild guess where he put me. Children's ministry. (laughs) And not just in children's ministry, he put me with the preschoolers. So there I was, 21 years old, with zero experience with kids, not knowing how to talk to them or interact with them, not even really wanting to be around them. And I was tasked with teaching a group of two to four-year-olds about Jesus. And as soon as I walked in, I realized that I had made a huge mistake. Maybe it was ministry in general, probably Cleveland, also children. Because when I said, just use me as you see fit, I didn't mean children's ministry. It was like herding cats. I remember trying to get the kids to sit in a circle so that we could do a small group lesson, and one of the kids was crawling on the floor underneath the movie theater seats, which is as gross as you think it is. And when I went to get him, he refused to come with me, and I wasn't going to drag him out. So I spent the majority of my morning trying to convince a three-year-old to get out from underneath the seats and join us for church, which made me feel more like a hostage negotiator than a ministry intern. So that Monday, I sat down for my one-on-one with the lead pastor, and I just told him, hey, I never want to do this again. And I'd known him for a while, and so I asked him pretty angrily, why did you put me back there? And I fully expected him to say, hey, you're an intern, and you got to pay your dues. Or, or maybe it was because they were shorthanded. But I'll never forget what he shared with me, because it changed forever how I viewed children's ministry. He told me that he put me back there, because they only put their best people back in kids because it is so important. And even though he inflated my ego, I still didn't do it again. But this, this meant so much to me, because as someone who was leading and getting ready to lead a church, children's ministry was something I knew we needed to do, but I didn't understand the importance. And he told me that one of the most important pieces of leading a church is creating spaces where kids can grow in their faith and fall in love with the church. And that has always stuck with me. Today, we're finishing up our series called the Sunset Clause, and just a reminder, a Sunset Clause is a clause that puts an end date on something that you don't want to last forever. Data shows that over 94% of churches have about a 30-year window where they actually make an impact before they stagnate and die, right? And so because that's true, and we don't think collective really is the exception to that, we want to approach everything we do in this church with the urgency to make the biggest impact right now. And over the last three weeks, there's been a challenge to choose generosity because we believe God can do bigger things in this church and in our city, and we know that our giving plays a huge role in that. But as we close out our series today, I want us to focus on the future, the future that's just a few suites away in Collective Kids. 
So what we're doing to wrap up this series is we're actually doing a child dedication at the end of each service. And we're doing this today because we understand that one of the reasons why our generosity matters is because we want Collective to be a place where kids can grow in their faith and fall in love in the church. Because it's not just about our faith. Right? It's not just about us in this room or our hearts or our community or our impact, but it's also about the kids that are growing up here. Collective exists so that people can know that there is a God who loves them unconditionally. Collective exists so that people can hear that endless second chances are real, that grace is real, that it doesn't matter how messed up you are, how far you are from God, how broken you are, God still loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you. And that is something that we try to emphasize every single week, no matter what topic we're talking about. But I think we sometimes forget that that message isn't just for adults, but it's also for kids and for our students as well. Three weeks ago, we had record attendance in Collective Kids with 87 births through fifth graders over there. Last week, we had the fourth largest attendance ever with 81. You've probably noticed because there are children everywhere. Compare that to when we first launched four years ago when there were 30 kids in Collective Kids that day. In fact, a few weeks ago, I shared that Collective was named one of the top reproducing churches in America because of the work we're doing in church planting. You guys know where I'm going with this. And my wife told me someone in the tech group made the joke that's because there's so many babies being born here. There are just babies everywhere. And the reason this should matter to us in this room is because if we truly do only have a limited amount of time as a church, if we only have 25 years left, that means there are kids and collective kids who can grow up in this church and literally bring their own children here. It means that there are kids that haven't even been born yet that will learn about Jesus in this church. It means that there are kids and collective kids and students in this room right now that at some point will make faith decisions in this church. and That is a big deal. I mean, think about your own life in your own faith, right? I've heard so many of your stories and so many of of your church and faith stories have gaps and disappointments and brokenness because you grew up in a church where you didn't feel like you belonged. Maybe you didn't even go to church at all. It was just a Christmas and Easter thing. Now imagine what your church or your faith story would look like if you were able to grow up in a church like this one. Imagine how much more confidence in God you would have if you grew up in a church like Collective. Imagine what marriages would look like, what relationships would look like, what your self-worth would feel like. And while many of you, I know, lament not having a church like this when you were younger, we have a chance to give kids in our community a great church to grow up in, a church where they can belong, a church where they can bring their friends, a church where they can take next steps of faith and not worry about failing because they have a community rooting for them. A recent study so that Generation Z is the first post-Christian generation ever. And Generation Z includes people who were born between 1995 and 2010, and they make up 30% of the world's population. For context, 27% of the world is millennial. And this study found that more than any other generation before them, Gen Z does not assert a religious identity. And the percentage of Gen Z that identifies as atheists is double that of the U.S. adult population. Currently, only 59% of Gen Z would say that they're Christian or have some sense of faith in God compared to 75% of baby boomers. To be honest, most of you could have guessed that, right? Most of you, you feel that, you know that. And if Gen Z is largely unchurched, imagine what Generation Alpha will look like. Those are the kids born 2010 and later. The reality is those are the kids that are over in Collective Kids right now. Those are my 
kids. But here's what the research says about Gen Z when it comes to the church. Among Gen Z churchgoers, perceptions of church are positive. 82% of teens say that church is a place to find answers and live a meaningful life. 80% of, 82% of teens also say that church is relevant in my life. 77% of teens say that I can be myself in church. And so they're the least church generation ever, but the ones who go to church have a positive viewpoint of the church. Here's what that says to me. It isn't that they don't want to go to church. It isn't that they don't want to pursue faith. It isn't that they aren't open to learning about God. It says that if we can get them here, their lives will be changed forever. It says that if parents, including me and my wife, Ray, make church a priority, our children have a stronger chance of keeping their faith. It says that if we, as a church, need to make sure that we value kids in the same way that Jesus did. One of the greatest characteristics of Jesus is that he gave value to people who were overlooked. And you see this in how he treated people with physical and mental ailments. You see this in how he treated women. And you see this in how he treated kids. And there's a story that's found in three of the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that showcases this. And just a fun fact, these three books are actually called the Synoptic Gospels. Synoptic simply means seeing all together. So when you read the biographies of Jesus, if you read your Bible, you'll see that Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a ton of similarities, but the book of John reads differently because it's from a different part of Jesus's life, and he actually focuses heavily on theology. And even though Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot in common, the stories that these books of the Bible share have important differences. The best way it's been explained to me is this. Imagine that you and two of your closest friends went out to grab drinks and someone asked you all how it went. You would tell a story that was similar to your friends, but not exactly the same, because you didn't all see, hear, or experience that night the same way. And that's the synoptics. The stories that are found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot in common, but they are filtered through the eyes, the perspective of the writer. And in the entire Bible, there are only 30 stories, in the entire Gospels, there are only 30 stories found in all three of the synoptics, which scholars agree speaks to their importance. And this is one of those stories. It starts in Matthew 9, verse 13. It says this, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. So Jesus is out in public. He's teaching. This is what he does. And a group of parents bring their children to him because they're seeking out a blessing from him. And this was actually typical in Jewish culture as parents would ask rabbis or teachers, and many people believe that Jesus was a teacher and a rabbi, to lay hands on their children and ask for God's favor to rest on them. And it's really important to note that when it says children, it's talking about kids under the age of 12. They're essentially birthed through fifth graders, collective kids. And as they approached Jesus, the story continues, the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. We don't know exactly why the disciples did this, but we assume that they thought Jesus was too busy or too important to be bothered by such insignificant people, by kids. Because during this time, culture viewed children with low esteem. Kids 12 and under, under the age of 13, weren't actually considered people. They had no value. So Jesus' disciples tried to bounce the parents and keep the kids away, thinking Jesus is too important to deal with kids. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Right? In this moment, and what he's doing right here is countercultural. Jesus didn't see children the way other people did during that time. He saw children as highly prized, as valuable, as loved. 
And Jesus didn't want people, even his own disciples, getting in the way of children experiencing God and developing their own faith. So we as a church don't want to make it difficult for anyone, including kids, to experience Jesus. We don't want to get in the way. In fact, we want to create environments where they can ask questions and seek out truth and experience grace. And that is why collective kids exist. And the truth is, we know this. This is more important now than ever. And so what we're going to do right now is we're actually going to transition into the child dedication portion of the service. And Bethany Pennington, our children's director, is going to share a little bit more about collective kids and why days like today matter so much. Hey, Collective. Uh, my name is Bethany, and I'm the staff director here at Collective. Um, oh, sorry, staff director of Collective Kids. <laughs> uh, on a typical Sunday, I have the honor of leading the amazing team that cares for the kids and families at Collective. We greet families, help kids get settled into their classrooms, and then spend the morning caring for kids, engaging with kids, teaching kids, and inviting kids to get to know Jesus. That is what you'd call a typical Sunday in Collective Kids. But, as you can probably guess, when it comes to kids, there is no such thing as typical. Sounds fun, right? So, if you see Collective Kids team members today, give them some love. They're doing an outstanding job caring for our future grown-ups. And hey, if atypical sounds right up your alley, maybe swing by the next steps table after service and talk to Pete, Jess, or Paige about joining the kids' team. Okay, so there's no such thing as typical when it comes to kids. Got it. But... What may come as a surprise to you is that when it comes to collective, there is also no such thing as typical. As a staff member and leader at Collective, I've heard on numerous occasions, we never throw away a Sunday. I've learned through the work we do and the stories and prayer requests that you share with us each week that we never throw away a Sunday. Sundays are not seen as typical around here. Every Sunday matters. Every Sunday is a unique opportunity to connect with someone, to care for someone, to create a moment that allows someone to get to know Jesus. Every Sunday is quite possibly someone's first Sunday. And if not that, then it's someone's first step or first moment to take a next step. Today is one of those days. In a few moments, I'm going to be joined on this stage by five of the ten families who decided to take their next steps as parents by participating in this year's child dedication. Their next step is the acceptance of a challenge, the acceptance of a series of commitments that all point back to intentionally creating space for their kids to get to know Jesus. Today is a big day, but it is far from typical. Okay, so outside of what I shared a moment ago with you about collective kids, I'm guessing that this is what likely comes to mind when you think about the kids on the other side of the building. Kids, babies, germs, Bubbles, Bible stories, crafts, toys, puppets, and for some of you, flannel boards. The list goes on. Diaper changes, boo-boos, band-aids, multiple requests for a drink of water, multiple requests to go to the bathroom. Crocodile tears, rocking chair snuggles, singing, dancing, and overall having a fun time. If this is what you're thinking about, you're not wrong. Except for the puppets and the flannel boards, we don't do that here. Uh, one of the most important things we do in Collective Kids is we provide care. We care about the kids. We love on them. We give parents as many reasons as possible as to why they can trust us. And beyond that, Collective Kids offers everything to our kids and families that Collective offers you. A kind smile, a warm greeting, a community that sees you, 
and is excited that you're here. Clear directions so you don't feel uncomfortable or out of place. A safe environment that invites you to trust and even be vulnerable. You're offered truth from the Bible, honesty and transparency from Pastor Michael, and a push, a challenge or an action step so you can figure out and take your next step so you can grow in your faith and your relationship with Jesus and hopefully one day choose to claim him as your Lord and Savior if you haven't already. Collective Kids offers all of that too, aside from teaching from Pastor Michael. But that could be kind of fun, right, now that we know he's fully trained? (laughs) Okay, but in all seriousness, why do we do all of this? Why do we do everything we can to make sure that Collective Kids is the best environment for kids on a Sunday morning here at Collective? It's because, on average, the church gets about 40 hours per year with a child. 40 hours. We can't ever throw away a Sunday, because the moment we do, that 40 hours drops. So our team will work week after week after week, caring for the kids, gaining their parents' trust, sharing with them the truth of the Bible, and encouraging them to get to know Jesus, so we can make the most out of those 40 hours. But what if I told you that 40 hours wasn't enough? In fact, you're probably already thinking, that isn't enough. You know life. You know what happens when you leave church on Sundays. It suddenly feels like the world is against you. No one cares. No one sees you. Nothing is going as you had hoped or planned. And truth becomes the furthest thing from your mind. Our kids experience the same thing, which makes Monday through Saturday super critical. And this is where our parents come in. Parents have, on average, over 3,000 hours per year with their kids. The 40 hours in the same year that Collective Kids offers cannot compete with the hours that our parents and guardians have with their kids. Now, like I said, we will never throw away a Sunday, so we will make the most of those 40 hours. But studies show that there's a 300% better chance that kids will stay in the church and take steps in their faith if they have faith conversations during the week and in the home. It makes sense that Proverbs 22.6 instructs parents, direct your children onto the path, onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. But what does this look like? Praying for them, praying with them, reading the Bible together, and learning, then letting your kids ask questions about it, or sharing their thoughts, or giving them a space to wrestle with it. Talking to them about what's going on in their life, sharing with them what's going on in your life, And sharing the truth about how life's realities sometimes shake your faith and make you ask questions, too. Telling them about Jesus. Bringing them to church to reinforce what they're learning at home about Jesus. Showing them what it looks like to follow Jesus and asking them how they can follow Jesus, too. And even show Jesus to others. All this takes time. This takes commitment. This takes making the most out of these annual 3,000 hours. For our child dedication two years ago, I used the illustration of a marble jar to help explain this idea. And I want to share it again because 2020 happened, and using time wisely is more real to us now than ever. In Collective Kids, the curriculum that we use to teach kids about Jesus and the Bible is called Orange. And part of Orange's mission is to equip parents for every phase of the church's life, or of, of their child's life, which is represented by a marble jar. You fill up a jar with 936 marbles, one for every week of your child's life, until they turn 18. They call it the legacy marbles. And with every week that passes, you remove a marble. 
Their hope as an organization is to encourage parents to use the time they have with their kids because it's fleeting. And as parents watch the marbles disappear, they are reminded that they have limited time left to make the moments count. Parents, never throw away a Monday. Never throw away a Thursday or a Saturday or any day. When you start out as parents, you are holding 936 marbles. And with every week that passes, you reduce it by one. With every year that passes, you have used up another 3,000 hours. And that's what this child dedication is all about. Parents making the commitment to never throw away a marble. Never throw away a day, a week, an hour, or a minute. Making the most of the Monday through Sunday and being intentional with these times that they have with their kids so that they have every opportunity to get to know Jesus, to grow in a relationship with him, and to hopefully one day choose for themselves to follow him and accept the unlimited grace that he has to offer. Today we have 10 families dedicating their children between our two services. In preparation for today's events, I asked the participating parents to think about the type of person that they pray their child or children will grow up to become. You'll see the words on the screen that each family came up with as, they, as they're introduced. But here are just some of the responses that I received. Compassionate, generous, humble, authentic, virtuous, empathetic, courageous, joyful, fierce, honest, genuine, wise, adventurous, persistent, and a game changer. These parents want so much for their kids, and today they're taking that want for more and turning it into a commitment to do more. Before sharing these commitments with you, uh, I want to first allow you to be introduced to the participating parents and the children that they're going to be dedicating today. Now, as a leader at Collective, I've chosen to accept, to accept the responsibility of going first, the responsibility of leading the way for others when it comes to challenges in growth and next steps in faith. And so today, my husband, Chris, and I are participating in the child dedication, too, and join the families on stage in the commitments being shared today. So Michael's going to come back up on stage to introduce us all, to lead us in this challenge, and to close us out in prayer. You guys don't want me back in Collective Kids, I promise. I don't know how to talk to my own kids, let alone other people's. Um, so I'm going to introduce the families, and it's starting from my right and going to my left. And so the first family is Josh and Liv Kim, dedicating Ian. Um, then we have Brian and Karen Pennington, dedicating Piper. Chris and Bethany Pennington, dedicating Posey and Chester. Josh and Kayla Robinson, dedicating Natalie. And Johnny and Tess Rufa, dedicating Noah. Today, these parents are choosing to stand in front of their church community to make a commitment, a commitment to raise their kids in such a way that creates space for them to get to know Jesus a commitment to sharing the truth of the Bible with them, a commitment to engaging in faith conversations at home and on a regular basis, a commitment to encouraging their kids' spiritual development and the next steps in their own faith, and finally, a commitment to modeling their own relationship with Jesus and what it looks like to follow him. And so congratulations to the parents on your commitments. We're so proud of you and proud of the decision that you've made to make the biggest impact possible on your kid's life when it comes to their own faith. And so Collective, can we just encourage these parents right now by giving them a round of applause? <laughs> now, these parents aren't just here today because of the commitment they're making, but because they want to share these commitments with you. 
They have chosen collective as their church community. They've chosen you as their church community, whether you like that or not. And they have been reassured that they're not alone in this. And so this is what we need from you and from collective. They need to know that you will love their kids and show them that Jesus is for them. They need to know that they have people to turn to when they face tricky conversations and difficult phases in their kids' lives. They need to know that you will remind them to be here because Collective is a safe place for their kids to experience grace and truth throughout every age and every stage of life. They also need to know that you'll encourage them to have follow-up conversations throughout the week about what they learn and talk about on Sunday mornings because those talks are just as important. And finally, they need to know that you and we as a church are praying for them, praying for wisdom as they parent their kids, praying for strength as they lead their kids, and praying for patience as they wait for their kids' next steps and hopefully their decisions to follow Jesus. So thank you for being a community that these parents can turn to and for being a community where they can find love and support no matter what day of the week. Now, before we close out and pray for these families, I just want to give everyone, uh, whether they're on stage or not, one final challenge. Each week of this series, there's been a different challenge, and this week is no different. And so as we wrap up the Sunset Clause, I'm challenging you to help us to create the best place possible for kids to grow, the best space for them to wrestle with their faith, and the best space for them to experience who Jesus is and the endless second chances he has for them, and to help Collective be a church where kids love together. God, thank you so much for this day. God, we're honored to be a part of these commitments that these parents are making to raise their kids to know you and to grow in you. God, we're excited to see the men and women that these kids grow up to become, and we're excited to see how you're going to work through the decisions and commitments that are being made today. God, we know that parenting isn't easy, and so we ask for wisdom for these parents as they look to you for guidance and persistence as they work to make the most of every day and every moment. God, we ask that you work in the lives and hearts of these kids so that they can see you and come to a decision on their own one day to truly follow you. And finally, God, I pray for this community as a whole. God, that we accept the challenge to do more for our future grown-ups, giving them every opportunity possible to know you and experience you and experience the love and grace that you have to offer. God, we thank you uh, that we are a church that isn't just about the adults in this room, but about the kids that are a few feet away and the opportunity that they get to grow up here. God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.